1: It is the Monday morning after Alabama 35, Tennessee 13 on the third Saturday in October. It's time once again for T Watts and TR on the Built by Bama online podcast. I'm Travis Schreier, senior analyst for BOL. He is site owner and publisher, Tim Watts, on a Monday morning. He's a happy guy. His saints keep rolling along there with Teddy Bridgewater behind center, but obviously a lot of college football to talk about this morning. Tim, most notably, again, Alabama for the 13th straight time in this rivalry. I guess it's still a rivalry with Tennessee. Gets the job done. The big news, though, late Saturday night, an injury to starting quarterback Tua Tonga Vialoa. I know we were interacting almost immediately after the injury took place, Tim. Yeah. Nothing more crazy, I'd say, than when a player of the caliber of Tua Tonga Vailoa goes down with injury, and the fallout almost immediate, right?
0: Yeah, just trying to find out, you know, is he headed to the locker room? Is he limping? Are they carrying him? You know, is he is? Are they wrapping him up? Is he warming up? You know, after halftime, just y'all have eyes at the stadium, and you know, you get to see. Stuff that happens a little quicker on TV, and TV's got guys checking on it that sort of can break some news down for you there. So, yeah, there's a little mad scramble when somebody like that goes down, just really trying to figure out what's going to happen in the second half.
1: Yeah, you know, there is a cemetery across the street from Bryant Denny Stadium, but we were fairly certain Tua wasn't headed there. But everywhere else, he was going to the x ray facility, which, you know, that makes the most sense. And really, almost on a weekly basis, you know, if Alabama has a player go down with that type of injury, they are typically put into an ambulatory vehicle and taken to the x-ray facility where they uh, are able to be checked out a little more thoroughly. That was the case with Tua uh, himself on Saturday night. But, uh, you know, it is when, when you have a guy like that go out, um, you know, imagination start to run wild. People hear things. Uh, And that's when it always comes down to the post-game press conference with uh, Nick Saban. But that game itself, um, a weird one in a lot of ways, Tim, in that it was a late kickoff, a little after 8 o'clock, I guess, Saturday night, that one kicked off. You had the new LED light show, which was outstanding, a much-needed added attraction, I would say, to the in-game experience, especially for kickoffs after dark. Even second half of some of these games, people talk about, well, LSU isn't going to be at night. Well, the second half is probably going to be played largely under the light. So you're going to have an opportunity in that game. Uh, certainly will once again for Arkansas with homecoming set for this Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Um, but, Tim, just uh, let's start with Tua because I mean, that's that's the story moving forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's obvious. I mean, you can't – you know, it's, it's fairly obvious what happens if Tua is – you know, Tua can't play in the game for Alabama. Obviously, the game ch- changes, you know, considerably. Uh, no knock on Mac Jones. I can't really think of a really good backup to a guy like Tua uh, who could really step in and fill his shoes, other than Jalen. Ironically enough, which yeah. we saw, uh, Tua is a warrior. You know, every you know, it's hard to guess and speculate on a, on an injury like this, and especially with the ankle because you you know we followed guys that have a regular ankle sprain, you know, who misses twenty NBA games. You know, they just it differs. But everything we read, it looks like they're expecting him back for LSU. Obviously, he won't be as mobile as he was before. I can't believe that quick he'd be as mobile. But you know, we've been down this road before. Last year, too, it was banged up. Uh, you know, had had you know had a knee issue last year. You know, against LSU and LSU's defense last year was some some was fantastic defense. So he stood in the pocket, made some plays last year. So they can get him back for LSU. We're already expecting a shootout. Um, you know,
1: and, you know, I don't think that changes a whole lot. No, um, LSU more equipped probably even this year for that kind of game uh, with what that offense has been able to put together with Joe Burrow and those receivers Uh, in 2019. They've been just absolutely dynamic. Um, Interesting to consider, I guess, the the kind of injury. You said it, the mobility, how it's impacted, and really just the ability to throw the football. This is his right ankle. Uh, Last year it was his left ankle uh, that he did against Georgia. Um, you know, the left ankle obviously is your drive foot. The right ankle is your plant foot and kind of, I guess your, I don't know, your, your, your lead foot there that could impact accuracy, maybe a little bit more than your left foot would. Um, when you look at the, the separation, as you noted with Jalen hurts, no longer around Mac Jones, thought it was a pretty nervous start to that backup performance Saturday night against Tennessee settled in a little bit, but something we talked about prior to recording this morning, a week, a full week of preparation and knowing that you're going to start the game, I would think has to help Mac Jones. And it doesn't hurt, I guess that you still have those receivers and Najee Harris and all these guys around.
0: Yeah. And I think also you're looking at a couple of things. One you know, Steve Sarkeesian spent a week putting in a game plan for Tua, and Tua is not even close to the same kind of football player that Mac is. So obviously, they would adjust for Mac Jones, focusing on Mac's strengths first. Tua's strengths, you know, this week. So I definitely expect the game plan to be more, a little more in tune with Mac Jones. Also, he gets slung in there really quick. Didn't look like he had time to warm up a whole lot in between timeouts and stuff. You saw him yeah. as the game went on, trying to warm up with Talia and uh, just get his arm loose and all that. So yeah, it's not surprising. He came out, you know, it was a big night. It was a huge crowd. Crowd was doing a great job. The LEDs had everybody pumped up. The atmosphere was awesome. So he steps out in that environment and boom. Yeah. He throws a couple chili peppers, double skippers over there. Um, <laughs> but I thought in the second half he did, I thought he looked a lot better. I thought he looked a lot more relaxed. Uh, the step, the offensive line did a good job, the running game, Najee and them stepped in and did some things. So uh, also that was a very fired up Tennessee group and Jeremy yeah. Pruitt, I mean, Jeremy Pruitt's homecoming. He's first time. I mean, Jer- I don't know how many times Jeremy Pruitt's been in Brighton Denny stadium, but I'm pretty sure, uh, that's the first time he's been on that other sideline. So You know, he, you know, he had him fired up. He's a, you know, it's a good coaching staff. They had a good game plan. So there was a lot going on there for Mac Jones to, to run into. Arkansas is going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little bit more a week to prepare, uh, a week to, you know, sort of fill his receivers out, get all the reps this week. That's going to be big for him, getting a majority of the reps as opposed to the, you know, Tua getting all those. So, and Arkansas is not quite as good as Tennessee, and I don't expect them to be as as, as fired up for this game.
1: Yeah, the plan for Tua compared to just about any other quarterback in college football can be a lot more expansive if you're Steve Sarkeesian than what you're probably going to see for Mac Jones. Not that Alabama's going to just throw the football eight or ten times over the course of three or four quarters Saturday night. That's not what I'm saying. Just the stuff that Mac likes the most and can execute the best is going to be different than, say, what you would have with Tua behind center, obviously, or yeah, even a year ago when you had Jalen.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the receivers have to adjust to how the ball is thrown and, um, You know, it's a huge adjustment. I don't know anybody in college football that's really going to lose their starting quarterback and be able just to stick their second inexperienced backup quarterback in there and just not miss a beat. I just think that's too much to ask of any program, really.
1: Yeah, it was a sudden change in the second quarter with Tua's injury. It was still a very competitive football game. So an environment totally different for Mac Jones Compared to what he's usually stepping into, he had a little bit of that last year at LSU. Um, He had to come in for a play there early in Baton Rouge, Um, so he experienced a little bit of that uh, last November. But all in all, uh, not not something he's accustomed to, I guess you could say. Hey Uh, Tim, go ahead. Let's let's talk about though, because we got a question about this on the. uh, T. Watson and T. R. Thread up on the roundtable at BamaOnline.com. Now, what are you hearing about the gap between Mac Jones and maybe Talia and the rest of those quarterbacks when you talk about going from the two guy to the threes? Uh, I'll touch on it a little bit, but I guess based on what we heard from Nick Saban postgame, th- th- there's not a lot of question in the mind of Saban and the coaching staff that you know Mac Jones is the guy for right now.
0: I think and everything I've heard's led me to believe experience is the biggest difference. I know Talia is a little looser with the ball. Um having watched him at Thompson High School, that's a he's got that gunslinger, Brett Favre mentality. He'll 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 stick it in tight spots and uh pull it down and run. He's gonna take some chances. You know, he's not much different than his older brother in that regard. Mac Jones, I think, is gonna be a safer player. Also, he's gonna understand the playbook more. Uh, he's been in the playbook for like three years already. So this is a guy that understands it, has got more game reps. So I think from a talent standpoint, uh, Talia is definitely right there with Mac Jones. But I think from an experience standpoint, which is always big for Nick Saban, because um, at this point, if you're playing your backup, you are looking at sort of a game manager. You know, you're not looking at the same pass and attack that you, that you were probably trying to expect with Tua. You're trying to do, you know, tone it down just a little bit. And simplify, but from a talent standpoint, I think they're pretty comparable, but three years is a lot to overcome with, you know, Talia just haven't been enrolled for the last eight months.
1: Yeah, it could be more along the lines of AJ McCarron 2011 that we see on Saturday night against Arkansas. The big difference though, uh, Tim, is that the wide receivers for 2019 are are a little different than that group post Julio Jones in 2011. Yeah,
0: so you're going to be able to throw a lot of short passes and easy passes and see what those guys can do out there in space. Um, uh, So, yeah, definitely going to have a different wide receiver group that, you know, they can take a quick short pass and turn it into basically a bomb, a 60-yard play pretty easily. Also, the special teams have been really good this year. Um, as far as the returns go. So they're giving Alabama a good field position. And I expect Alabama to be able to run the ball, like what the offensive line's been doing. And I feel like if they concentrated on the run, I mean, it's hard to concentrate on the run when you've got four NFL, three NFL, first possibly first-round wide receivers out there, and you've got... Um, you know, a first round quarterback, but they do have the capability. They've got a good offensive lines coming together and they've got a, uh, you know, you know, Najee's doing a good job and Brian Robinson's touches have been sort of limited, but he's doing a really good job. I think he's doing the best job he's did uh, of the year so far. So I think they're able to run if they want to.
1: Yeah. Um, Najee Harris averaging right at 100 yards per game on the ground over the last four contests. Is this the Najee Harris you expected to see a couple 3 years ago when he came out of Antioch, California as the top running back prospect in the country?
0: Yeah, and I think he's shown us shown flashes. You know, it's like every you know a lot of Alabama running backs, you don't get a great look at what they can do often until their sophomore and junior year simply because of everybody you know, that's ahead of them, you know, you know, Eddie Lacey's a classic guy. Drake yelled him. These are guys that, you know, when they got a chance to shine, they did shine. So it's not surprising to see Najee doing this. Uh, I'm glad to see Brian Robinson's coming along a little bit more than to what we thought he was. And this is sort of where in a game like this is where you sort of, you know, Trey Sanders injury hurts. Cause this is a guy that definitely could have stepped in and helped sort of, you know, work that clock a little bit this week and move the chains. They still got two good running backs. Um, you know, they're doing a good job. That third wouldn't have hurt either. Catching the football effectively, too, both yeah, those guys. Absolutely. Najee's a terrific, uh, you know, terrific threat. I think that's going to help his NFL stock when all is said and done, too. He's got big size. He's going to test well. You know, he's got sort of a quirky run in motion. It's not real smooth. But when you're that big and you're that strong and that flexible, I mean, you're going to make, you know, you're going to have times where you look – you know, herky-jerky, but it's hard to tackle that joker. And he's fast, yeah. he's strong, and he's got good hands. So definitely having a good show
1: in this year. And and you're still left to wonder what the impact of Trey Sanders might have been on this offense had he stayed yeah. healthy and uh, in, in his ability uh, in those areas as well. Speaking of the running back position, Tim, there was a groundswell of buzz going into the weekend that perhaps – one of the very best running backs for the class of 2020 might be making his way to Tuscaloosa with a teammate of his that is already committed to the University of Alabama for the upcoming cycle. And I guess it played out that way with Zach Evans on Saturday night.
0: Yeah, it did. You know, Evans, I, you know, I said this heading into this, this recruiting cycle. He was going to be unpredictable, and that's remained the case. You never know when he's going to show up. You never know where he's going to show up. Previously the few last couple of weeks, he was supposed to have been at LSU. He was supposed to have been at Texas A and M and didn't didn't make the trips, but he did come to Tuscaloosa with his teammate Damian George. Um I don't think a lot's really changed there between Alabama and Evans. I still think they're in the they're in the uh you know not holding hand stage. Even I think they're sort of filling each other out. I think Alabama's gave the kids space and you know, if he comes, he comes and if he doesn't, he doesn't, but I know they're happy with the two running backs. They've gotten Roy Dell Williams and Kyle Edwards, another really important or interesting uh, visitor was Jameer Gibbs, the running back from Georgia, who has just absolutely blown up this year. And Alabama sent a coach to watch him on Friday. He's got an offer. So he's a guy a lot of people are sort of get comparing him to a poor man's uh, Alvin Camaro. He's done a, a great job. So Alabama's definitely – got two running backs. And if you look at what they've got, Roy Dale Williams is more of that Brian Robinson type back. Um, I've loved, I love what he can do. He's a, The thing about him is he's a gritty, gutty player. They put him in at defense. And, uh, I mean, he's a bulldog from that defensive end position, rushes the uh, the quarterback. And then they got Kyle Edwards, who's the bruiser, maybe a poor man's Eddie Lacey. Between the tackles guys, it's going to get you that three yards – you know, move the chains, play behind his pads kind of guy. So, you know, they obviously want to get some good running backs in this class. I haven't heard if Najee goes pro or not. I think that's on the table, though. I think that'll be decided later. But they don't want to be left with just a, you know, a couple running backs next year.
1: Yeah, between the potential, I guess, for Najee Harris to turn pro, Trey Sanders coming off a pretty significant injury, Tim. Does that take this class from two backs to three in all likelihood? Um, they're so tight on numbers. I think there's a case
0: if they can get a third back and he's good enough that they will take him. Heck, we're talking about a coach that took four top 100 running backs one year with all T, Tim Penny, Tyron Jones, Derek Henry, and, and Alvin Camaro. So those are four really good backs at the time. Um, obviously two are doing really well in the NFL right now. So I think it's going to come down. You always figure they have a couple of spots they say for best available, and that could be an extra linebacker, defensive end, or a running back in this case, so I think that that's on the table. They're looking at it. Everything I've heard is Trey Sanders is going to come back a hundred percent, but you know, you know, he's still an inexperienced back. You know, he's you know, it's you know, redshirt year with no experience. So I think they definitely would like to have some options back there.
1: Yeah, in a scenario without Harris, you're looking at in all likelihood Brian Robinson, Keelan Robinson. Jerome Ford, Trey Sanders coming back off an injury, and they've been able to sort of utilize Tadarius Townsend in multiple roles, including running back here of late. Uh, Tim, what about from the rest of the recruiting perspective? I guess at this point we're kind of already looking ahead to LSU weekend. We won't get in depth about the potential for that today, but just here three weeks away or so, I got to think that, uh, Uh, Even with the limited numbers for 2020, you you talk about going ahead and trying to get uh, an early lead, an early start on 2021s, 2022s, just a huge weekend coming up.
0: I really think the biggest visitor this weekend that uh, is connected to Alabama was at Georgia and Eric Gilbert. Five-star tight end. He's taking that visit. Uh, I think his process is winding down. He's been a top target for Alabama. Uh, Alabama's been spoiled with some really good tight end play the last few years. This year, not as good. Don't have guys that can hold that edge as well. Has some trouble blocking bigger guys. So, obviously, Eric Gilbert's one of the freaks of the class. I mean, his film is unbelievable for a guy that size to line up at wide receiver and do the things he does. So, he was at Georgia um alabama had the lead going in i still think alabama's in good shape right now we're still waiting some from some fallback from that visit but i think that was a big you know recruiting wise to me when you've got a guy like that coming down to decision you put just much effort into him uh to me that's the priority over guys like zach evans so it's going to be curious to see what gilbert does
1: yeah and in, in the near future perhaps we'll we'll be learning more who knows uh it it, it Tends to change a good bit with with young people. So we understand that. Uh, It is the Built by Bama online podcast. It is T Watts and TR, the Monday after Alabama makes it 13 in a row over the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, Tim, let's talk some National Football League and kind of in connection to maybe Mac Jones and the situation at Alabama trying to step in there. For Tua Tagovailoa, it hasn't slowed down your saints, saints any, Tim, in going from Drew Brees to Teddy Bridgewater. Now, Teddy Bridgewater in his past, as we know, with the Minnesota Vikings, pretty extensive uh, history of starts. But uh, your guys keep getting it done without uh, number nine.
0: Yeah, it's been interesting. You know, that defense is always a great equalizer, and the Saints have a fantastic one. Um, they, they didn't even have an Alvin Kamara yesterday, so they were missing several guys. Off that team, but the defense was so good, and also it was so good also because it's playing Mitch Strabinsky, who's not very good, um, <laughs> not having a good sophomore year whatsoever. Caught a few boos uh, at the home stadium, so you know Bridgewater. That's what we we're talking about earlier. I saw Teddy Bridgewater come in for Drew Brees, was he was injured in the Rams game, and he did not look good. And the Rams lost that football – I mean, uh, the Saints lost that football game to the Rams. But since then, I've seen Sean Payton, who's done the best coaching of his career. He had to adjust that game plan to make Teddy Bridgewater look more comfortable. Now, he's still not Drew Brees, obviously. And, uh, you know, comparing that to Mac Jones. Mac Jones will never be too – but I think they're going to be able to put – just Alabama's going to be able to do what – but the Saints did by putting Mac Jones in a better situation to succeed, and that's what they did with Teddy Bridgewater. They've they've sort of they've narrowed it down, found his you know where he's most comfortable, got other guys involved, and you know what's crazy is you look up and he found a strong connection with a guy like Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn's having a revival year because he's pretty much his top target. So I think there is some comparisons there, and you can see. For, you know, how throwing a guy into the mix in a rough situation like that can, you know, not turn out well. But later on, he can look a lot better down the road. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
1: Yeah, I wish my guy, Gardner Minshew, of our Jacksonville Jaguars, had some of those weapons like uh, uh, the Saints have to go around the quarterback position. Don't quite have those kind of guys that the Saints have right now. Tim, it's time to head into the Built by Bama Online mailbag for T-Watts and TR on a Monday. Uh, Some interesting topics from the uh, subscribers there, our valued subscribers, at BamaOnline.com. Here's one for you and uh, you know it's it's one that uh, I know we've been in a lot of high school stadiums but uh, favorite high school stadium if you had to pick one Tim what do you got who you got
0: you know, I don't know if I have a favorite stadium often when I'm in one I'm on the field but I'll tell you one that's pretty unique is Mountain Brook High School. Uh, in Alabama, they don't have, uh, stands on the other side of the field. It's just on one side. So it's pretty much like going to a JV game. If you ever went to one they wouldn't let you sit on one side of the field cause they didn't want to have to clean it up. You had all those fans together. So that's what you got <laughs> at Mountain Brook. you got, except it's at a varsity game, which makes it unique. you got all the fans on the same side, you know, in the same concession stand. I mean, you can, you can, you can imagine that wouldn't go well in a lot of places in the state, but it's a great stadium, um, very unique. It's cut into a hill, so that's one, um, that's one I've always found interesting.
1: Yeah, I've been there. It is cool uh, how it sits there with the, with the campus and really the school itself is the backdrop and then the, the, the stands cut into the hillside there uh, on the other. Uh, it's definitely unique. I'll tell you one I like and one that's been there forever is the stadium, as far as in-state stadiums go, uh, the one at Etowah, I mean, it, it has the feel up there in that Gadsden area of Western PA. That's the sense you get, that if you went to a high school football game up around Pittsburgh or something, that's what you would get there. All the right moves, like Ampipe. It's like Ampipe and all the right moves to I saw, Etowah High
0: School. I saw Carnell Williams there mm-hmm. get not one but two leg cramps at the same time. It was one of the most – absurd thing. I mean, I've never, I mean, I've seen guys injured. He, at first he had like a left hamstring issue. Then he had a right, the third quarter, they both locked up and you heard him scream. Um, and they were just ha- tight hamstrings. It was sort of it when that chilly night there, uh, Carnell is one of my favorite high school players I've ever seen. I loved him at safety and, and, uh, he played running back like the safety position,
1: but yeah, that's a great one. That's a good call right there. Freddie kitchen's an Etowah guy, right? Um, I believe Yeah, so uh, I went to that stadium a couple of years ago. The middle kid was a senior at Northridge, and I got to uh, experience a high school football game there at Etowah. As far as all-time high school stadiums, I've got a couple others. Wright-Baysmore Stadium in Valdosta, Georgia, Tim. Talk about a traditional power at Valdosta High. If you ever get a chance, you're ever in sort of South Georgia – uh, and you're you're making that trek maybe on a, a high school football tour, I would definitely recommend wright Baysmore uh, Baysmore Hyder Stadium there in Valdosta, Georgia. Growing up, there was one in Jacksonville, Florida. They simply called it the backyard, okay uh, Robert Robert e. Lee senior high school there. Uh, it's where guys like Edgar Bennett, Leroy Butler, I saw Emmett Smith as a sophomore. Running back at Escambia High School In Pensacola in a Class 4A State playoff game there At the backyard and it was just A, a knockdown drag out a multiple Overtime game so those would probably Be a couple of three of my favorites When we're talking about high school stadiums uh, Another interesting question For us Tim this one uh, About uh, Food something Near and dear to to both our hearts And drinks by the way uh, The question $40 and you got for the entire day in Tuscaloosa and you're looking at food and drinks on 40 bucks. How are you going to spend it? Look, there's too many places I like in Tuscaloosa to just stick to one or two. I love Southern ale house. If I'm going to have a sandwich, I'm probably going to have that yard bird chicken sandwich at Southern ale house. If I'm having breakfast, I'm probably going to be at brick and spoon downtown Tuscaloosa there at Timerson square. Um, if you just want a burger, Just a great burger than Avenue Pub in that same area in downtown Tuscaloosa. If I'm going to have a sushi roll, I'm going to be upstairs at Chuck's in downtown Tuscaloosa. Um, A lot of great spots. I mean, if you want barbecue, you got Archibald's, you got Dreamland. I guess what I'm saying is $40 might get me halfway through the day with as much as I like to eat and with as much as we have to choose from, uh, in Tuscaloosa, this all brings us to the most important topic of the day, Tim, on the T Watts and TR podcast. Uh, and I'm kind of sad on this Monday because my current favorite HBO show wrapped up last week, that's the righteous gemstones with Danny McBride, uh, and the crew, Walton Goggins. So good as baby Billy, uh, in that series. Uh, Greatest HBO series of all time, Tim Watts. Where do you, know, you start? And by the way, I love the gemstones. You know, <laughs> I that, that cast was good. I was a little sketchy,
0: skeptical, uh, the first couple of episodes. But as it built to it, as they added the son from the, the newest vacation, you know, they added some guy. They were really funny. I thought the sister was, was outstanding, you know. And I thought the quirky, you know. The, Judy the Lee. Judy Lee. And John Goodman. I mean, I mean, how do you not love John Goodman, you know, Fat John or Slim John, Slim John as he is now, you have to love him. Um, you know, I was looking. I love HBO like you do. It sounds like a commercial. But, you know, I think, you know, it's easy to pick the low-hanging fruit with the wire, um, Games of Thrones, The Sopranos. But one that I loved, my wife made me watch it to start with, and I, I feigned Hating it, but that show Veep. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah, funny. Dude, that is a hilarious. hilarious. I hilarious. They had some comedies on there, and their dramas are so good. I think people forget about it. But um, my favorite all time epi- uh, anything on HBO would be True Detective season one, and I'd probably go still with. Uh, East and Down is my all time favorite. I just I, you know, being a sports guy, I just love that show. It was so you know, he was so he was such a such a great character, so over the top. Um, you know, that's another one I love. Any,
1: anything with McBride's been great, yeah, whether it's Yes Ice Bound and Down, yes. Vice Principles is yeah. hilarious. And then now yeah. with the gemstones.
0: Mm-hmm. He's a great the yeah.
1: Trifecta.
0: He, Absolutely.
1: So what the do you what McBride about McBride trilogy. Yeah, I'm, you know it's hard. It's hard for me to go against the Sopranos all time, and I'm right there with you on the wire. I mean, the wire's top three for me. I guess this is before we're even getting to curb your enthusiasm. Yes. Um, you know, six feet under was a sneaky good, yeah. great show. I it, mean, you can just uh, go on and on with the HBO show. That's a
0: great call. Six feet under. I never watched when I was on, and four summers ago I binged it. And it was. It was an emotional show. It was fantastic. I only watched it because of uh, the guy in it was on the show, uh, Dexter, that I just finished watching. And I thought he was great. And so I watched it. But I was shocked. You know, I was shocked. I'll tell you, Loki, have you seen Flight of the Concords? I have. That yeah. that, is a, that is a short-lived, hilarious show. And the new one they've got called Barry is fantastic. It's definitely one of my favorites.
1: What about... Top HBO character show character of all time. If you had to pick one character on an HBO show, which way are you going with that?
0: gosh, isn't it really hard to pick against Tony Soprano? I mean,
1: can you? iconic? Can you, iconic. Do, that? Can you iconic. do that and not get knocked off? I mean, you can, you can, but you know, I don't know if legitimately you can. You can't say I I mean, you can't say he's them. not the the number one. That they've had
0: oh, yeah that i'd go with the, you know, I would, I'd definitely go with him the eastbound and kenny mcbride and eastbound and down he uh that's that's two that just stood out to me but soprano would have to kenny be Powell, yeah yeah that show sopranos was such a good show and, and it's really stood up you know i've let my kids watch some of the episodes and they like that's usually how i i can tell if it stood the test of times that's why i know john hughes for instance was a genius because my kids still die laughing at 16 candles so absolutely uh, so these shows like The Sopranos, when people, my kids watch it, they don't, you know, they don't roll their eyes and look away. So definitely a great show, definitely a great character. I
1: hope everything was great about it. Tony has to be at the top, but in terms of favorite, Paulie Walnuts was my favorite um. Sopranos <laughs> character, and yeah. probably, probably Walton Goggins right now as Uncle Baby Billy is my second favorite. HBO he's, character. Yeah, he's an, he's an underrated guy. He's a the Birmingham he's a, guy.
0: Yeah, he's a he's a fun, he's a fantastic guy. He's funny and he adjusts to so many different characters. Um, I mean, you saw you know, if you saw him in vice principals, he was a totally different animal. So definitely a guy that's very flexible and absolutely hilarious. Yeah, absolutely hilarious.
1: If if you ever saw the movie The Apostle. With Robert Duvall, and it's probably 20 years old or so. A very young Walton Goggins is in that movie. And when I watch him as Baby Billy in The Gemstones, you can see where he took from, uh, you know, kind of studying Robert Duvall as the apostle all those years ago and has incorporated some of that
0: into Uncle the, Baby he's a, Billy.
1: He's a preacher or something in that, right? Yeah. 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 Evangelist. Just yeah. basically. Yeah. Basically, the gemstones. And
0: there's uh, a low-key low low great actor right there. Nobody talks about Robert Duvall, but there's another one still acting, or he was a few years ago, that does a terrific job in everything.
1: He'll always be Tom Hagen's
0: I did not
1: God, Walter God was in that movie either. I had yeah, no yeah, go, he had it, to be it, it, a it, babe, didn't he? Oh, he, he, very much. Very he much so. Early twenty, so. Not many lines in The Apostle. But uh, present, present, well, a yeah. screen time. There's a show called Justified that I love that he was in that. He was great in that as well. He's
0: really great in everything. So,
1: Well, it's been a lot of fun. And in the words of uh, Uncle Baby Billy, y'all need to listen to uh, T. Watts and T. R. Now, but uh, we got to get out of here on a Monday. Always fun with Tim Watts. Hey, Tim, we'll look to do it again here real soon. And uh, as always, you need to keep it locked. AbamaOnline.com. Tim, Hank South, Charlie Potter, myself, Kirk McNair. We got you covered wall to wall with Alabama Crimson Tide coverage. Have a great week, Tim. See you guys on the round table. There you go. On the round table, of course, there at BamaOnline.com as well. Travis Ryer, hoping you have a great rest of your week. Join us again on the Built by Bama Online podcast here in the very near future. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can conquer it.